is the Missional Adventure Podcast, telling inspirational stories of Baptists embracing adventure in the mission of God. This is the 18th episode of the Missional Adventure Podcast. Reverend Sally Mann, minister at Bonnie Downs Baptist Church in East Ham, London, shares about the journey Bonnie Downs has been on right from its beginning always with a heart for those most in need with an awareness to be flexible and adventurous in their approaches to being a missional community. You can get future episodes as soon as they're released every two weeks by searching for Missional Adventure in your favourite podcast provider on your smartphone or tablet. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Missional Adventure Podcasts. I'm Susie and with me today is the Reverend Sally Mann. Hi, Sally. Hello, hi Susie. Thanks for inviting me. Hello, thanks. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, great to be chatting with you today. Sally is the Minister of Bonnie Downs Baptist Church in East London and uh, we're going to be hearing today about what's been happening there over quite a long period of time but also hopefully about what's what's been going on more recently in the in the last year throughout the coronavirus pandemic. There's hopefully a lot of things that uh, we'll have to talk about and to, to hear about which will be great but I I wanted to start with uh, would you be able just to kick us off by describing exactly your context what what the area is like that you're in in London and what what the church looks like yeah there if you're able to yeah I mean I've always lived in uh, in Newham in the borough of Newham and in fact I'm the fourth of six generations who've lived within the same four streets in my family yeah so I generally start my my missional call in about 1908 when my great-grandmother was part of a, a slum community in the East End at that time and a man called Pastor Howe was a lay preacher and he had to cross this area these four streets were built as a slum housing for the gasworks in Beckton and he had to cross these this area called Bonnie Downs and it was just four rows of slum housing and he felt God's call to try to bring the gospel to these four streets. And he met my great grandmother who had 16 children and they were really very poor. And um, the fourth child was my grandmother and she was really like the scapegoat of the family. And there was a, a lot of abuse and a lot of alcoholism. And so this missional minister, bless his heart, started preaching in that area and handing out Spurgeon's tracts and the residents of Bonnie Downs could not read and were not interested in church and so he kind of changed tack and started just a ministry really of mercy and started to visit those people every week including my great-grandmother and when he saw the state of my grandmother's life he took her in to live with him and his wife under the guise of being in service but actually because he could just realise that she was terribly abused in her life. And that changed the course of history for my family. And my grandmother became a Christian as a teenager through this man's witness. And then every generation since, and I'm the fourth of six, have been part of one church at Bonnie Downs, and I'm now the minister of that church. Um, but my mum is still part of the church, and there's actually 
So we're like a four generational family in the church, but there are other families like that. So I know that's a strange place to start, but for me, my own story of calling is part of that much bigger calling. And I have found myself as well, just like Pastor Howe, that some of the things that we think are the ways to be church and do church are not always relevant in the community that we're in. So I've, I got married uh, over 30 years ago in my church. I wasn't the minister then. And my husband, Dave, became a minister over 25 years ago. And we began really as leaders within this church community. We did spend 10 years out of um, East Ham in just like three miles down the road, but a very different area, which was a really gentrified area of London Docklands. And we were there for 10 years. And we did kind of a church pretty much from scratch. There'd been a, a previous pioneer there for nine years. There was a very small community and not really many local people engaged with church at all. So we'd spent 10 years there and then handed on that ministry to other leaders, to indigenous leaders that we'd raised up and came back to our original church at Bonnie Down. So we've, we've only ever moved three miles we don't see ourselves as being called to a vocation of ministry. We feel ourselves called to a community. Mm. We've always been uh, bivocational. Um, we've usually lived in terms of shared living. That's been the main way that we've raised up people into leadership. So I guess our life really changed because of the, the call of God on my family from generations previously. So in some sense, I see it all very fresh and very new, and I'm kind of excited about what God is doing now. But I can also read like the DNA of the way that it's always been like this here in terms of trying to do ministry that's relevant and based on justice. You know, so it's kind of a Jesus and justice thing that's kind of caught hold of my life. And, and those themes have just completely shaped our lives as, as ministers here. Amazing. Oh, that is, that's quite a story. I mean, and quite unique to hear of that generational history connected with with the church as as well so that's that's fascinating to hear that and interesting to to hear about the the beginnings of that church starting with yeah. such, a, such a passion it sounds like for justice for for caring yeah. for the poor for the needy is that something that's that's continued yeah. throughout the life of the church then there's been it's been expressed in different ways so about 20 years ago while we were still in our first kind of wave of leadership we felt a very clear call of God and we argue about this Dave and I because we both say we heard it first but our church building was this original little 1930s asbestos hut really that the original congregation had paid for and built and my grandfather put the windows in and we were still using that but we were doing lots of community work we had an open youth club and an elders project and the hall was really even at that stage 20 years ago well beyond really uh, you know use and around the corner was this uh, much newer, larger building, which was a community centre that was um, owned by the council, but had been managed by a few local families. And it had really been used for, for, for bad things, really. So it was just it was a, it was kind of like a, a subsidised bar. But there was there was drug dealing from that from the toilets. There was there were, you know, it was just it was a real problem place. And our little asbestos hut was heaving with people and community projects and this place had been just kind of you know wound down really and we started to pray and we felt that God told us that he would give it to us 
that it was actually ours. We felt God say it was ours. And I can remember getting back to my church and, you know, this is like 25 years ago and saying, God's given us this building. We need to get ready. God's given us it. Um, and we were a small church with very minimal resources. But as you do, when you just think God said something, we, we sort of started praying and um, Dave joined the, the little group of local residents who were in the building. I mean, they literally stared at him when he walked in. You know, it was like silence because there were basically like three families that kind of had the whole run of the place. And he was really not welcome. But we joined at a time when that original group were running out of money. And to put a long story short, as soon as the brewery withdrew, they just closed the gates and that was it. They'd literally put their pints down and left the building. And we'd been involved in local council meetings and stuff before they knew us as local leaders. We ran the only youth group in the whole area. And so we had good connections with them, but we approached them and said that we really, you know, our little building was heaving. Here was this empty community centre. Would they give it to us to use uh, for community projects? And of course they said no, because we were a church and this was a council owned building. And quite rightly, they wanted to make sure that council properties have got, you know, an inclusive ethos. And as much as we kind of thought, yeah, we do, we welcome everyone. It started us on a journey of about a year where we knew that it was right to, to, to just move as a church and to do things differently. So we set up a charity back in 98, which was called Bonnie Downs Community Association. And that was an attempt to seriously partner anybody in our community that shared our heart. Um, and it really took the church on a journey away from being a church centered mission with the main aim of getting people into church to being a church that left its own building. So we, we founded this charity we refurbished the building and that was a completely miraculous story, which I won't go into, but it was amazingly miraculous. We, as a family, we put in all of our savings, but our church put in all of their savings. We spent 10,000 pounds, the whole church savings within the first year. And we hadn't even scratched the surface of the building. We gave it everything. We were using our cars to remove rubble because we couldn't pay for skips anymore. It was a real adventure. God just came through and ended up that the council actually spent £300,000 refurbishing the building. The charity started with the church just volunteering time. So in the church, we used to tithe time. So everybody would give an evening or a morning to volunteer to run the community centre. I started to run the cafe. We moved our youth project there. Our church started to meet there. And now that project has, so we're 20 years later, we have 40 full-time posts. And I think we employ about 100 local people over the course of the year. And the project has taken on other disused community facilities like a, a playing field, a pavilion, a community garden. And, and the, the charity has just really grown, but it's kept that same ethos that we are there to express the kingdom of God in a place. So, um, and we partner with people of all faith or none to do that. But Dave is still the chair of the charity um, and I'm the minister at the church. So our church looks a bit weird because people who've never been to Sunday worship feel part of the Bonnie Downs family. And they could be Muslim, they might be people of no faith, but they will say that this is their church. I know it, it's it's a, it's a bit of a strange setup. We call it a blurry edge church. It's a blurry edge. So, and some people, part of that is exactly the same ministry that Pastor Howe had. It's about poverty response and justice. 
So we have a very big homelessness project that's grown out of our charity with a night shelter and a day centre. We were the emergency food hub for East Ham during COVID. So we, within a week, we could get up enough volunteers to do the whole of the London Borough of Newham's emergency food hub until the council then picked up. We still feed about 100 families every week with emergency food provision. And we house 15 homeless people throughout the winter with an advocacy project. So they come in for 28 days with a, another project that we've kind of grown through the charity. So it sounds like we intentionally meant to do this community development project that would be a new expression of church. And we never knew what was coming next. It was just literally hearing God and us being willing to let go of some of our church, our churchiness, and to realise that to be relevant here, we needed to really follow what the Holy Spirit was saying. And as a community, as a church congregation, just be on a journey that changed the way that we see ourselves as church. And there's been some real highs and some real lows on the way. I mean, I'm just giving you a thumbnail sketch. So I'm still in Bonnie Downs, I'm still in the area. Yeah, and that's where that's kind of where we are. It's, inc it's incredible, like you say, that is, you're trying to kind of, in a very short space of time, share a huge journey there. And yeah. I appreciate that this is, like you say, this is going back, what, 20, 20 odd? 25 years, yeah. 25. Years and, and then, you know, time before that in, in preparation for all of that. So I appreciate this is, this is a big journey. <laughs> and, and <laughs> but an awesome one, though. It, so, it sounds incredible. And, and interesting, I think, from what you first said about the original pastor pastor how how he had to kind of what did you say reimagine or, or adapt rethink how mission would look with those yeah. cracks that couldn't be read by people who were illiterate yeah. and it, yeah. it sounds like there's been some similarities there for for you as a church if that's fair to say that you've had yeah. to rethink absolutely yeah. yeah act 16 has been a huge passage like biblical passage that we've kept returning to as a church where Paul's making his second missionary journey and he attempts to go to the areas that he's been to on his first missionary journey and it says that like the Holy Spirit prevented him the spirit of Jesus prevented him and instead he gets this dream and it's the man from Macedonia and he's not expecting it but he follows it enough to, to know how to start to move and then when he arrives in Philippi, he cannot use his usual church planting rules. There is no synagogue for him to go and preach into. There, there aren't enough Jewish men. And I think he goes out of the city to the river because that's where the Jewish men who weren't enough to form a synagogue would have met for prayer. And he meets an immigrant woman and her name is Lydia. And he has enough ability to hear God to know that it's her. He dreams of a Macedonian man, but he meets an Asian woman in Europe and he sees that God is at work in her. And you can imagine, you know, for, for a Jewish man like Paul to meet an immigrant woman and see that she's, he describes her as she was already a worshipper of the Lord. And he shares the gospel with her and she opens the gate of Europe. So the very first church in mainland Europe is formed in this way of the church leaving the city going to the place where people meet 
and working with the people who were the last people you would have expected to build a church with. And, and that opens Europe. And the, I mean, the lovely irony is, is that Lydia is from one of the regions that Paul was prevented from going to. So at every stage, you just think God has just disrupted the plans that are usually the way we think of doing things. At every point, God's disrupted it. And yet Europe, the mainland of Europe, is opened by Lydia. And the first church, you know, when you read Philippians, you realise the first church is this immigrant woman who's wealthy and then there's a demon-possessed slave girl and then there's a jailer a gentile jailer and I don't think you can read any church planting book that will tell you to find those three people <laughs> you know and I think that's the problem that the church you know we've got our missional ways of doing things we've got our 10 steps to plant a church we and we forget that it is God who is the prime mover in mission and if we're only able to do the things that we've always done before, and we just think if we just do them better, church will be relevant again, we are going to miss mainland Europe. You know, we're, we're only ever gonna tread around a little circuit of people for whom church is relevant. For the majority of Western people, church is entirely irrelevant. And, and they're not wrong, but the gospel is relevant. But this, this is an incredible journey, really, where the church has to say, even if this, the way that we do things completely folds now, the gospel is still present in our community and we need to find where God's at work. And we need to leave some of our programmes. You know, I think that the idea that a Christian minister is going to have a stipend is a damaging idea. I think it is much better to be at least bivocational it is much better to live um, simply and to share so that economically you're modeling a different way of using money and capital. And then you're very much freer to follow the lead of God rather than to be tied into the way things have always been. So, you know, my life has always been defined by that kind of adventure. Um, and I can see it coming to other communities as, for instance, COVID has closed so many churches and finances uh, in a whole. And, and that could be good. That could be good. Closing the doors and saying you're not allowed to go back to the, the well-trodden paths. You need to have a dream that's about doing things very differently and meeting the Lydia. So we wrote a book um, uh, two years ago, three years ago, which was called um, Looking for Lydia. Um, and it was about the journey of our church to say we've got to look for the people that are unexpectedly God is working in. And for us, this led us on a, a whole journey of inclusion, radical inclusion. So we are a blurry edge church and there are you know, people of different faiths. We spend most of our week with people who are not churched or Christians and all of our leadership team do that. Mm -hmm. And our, our main focus is on hearing what God is doing in the blurry edges of the congregation. And it also led to assign an inclusive church charter so um, people who felt excluded from church have found a home in our unusual type church. Um, and the only thing we say to them is, are, are you committed to building the kingdom of God here? You know, that's it. That's what we're about. Amazing. There's there's a lot lot there, Sally. I, I, I was uh, 
head was getting full of uh, lots of different questions, lots of different ways. I, I feel I feel we could sit here for a very long time and, <laughs> and go off um, down many different routes. But I think for for the purpose of, of this particular podcast, we'll, we'll leave people hanging perhaps on on a few. But, but some uh, you know some some brilliant challenges there and, and encouragement actually you know uh, about mission and perhaps maybe challenging some some more traditional uh, views on mission there which is just is really exciting and encouraging to hear what you had to say there but like I say hard, hard, to, hard to, <laughs> to know know where to go next I, I will I will ask just perhaps could you share with us about just some some practical other practical examples that have been happening more recently uh, you mentioned how yeah Covid has closed the doors it's put some things on pause but has that has a, that affected you guys in the same way probably not in the same way uh, churches that were ma- mainly more focused on maintaining their own congregation and on the Sunday gathering I think have found this to be like an earthquake you know because you can't do any of those practices that you might have felt were completely central to be in church whereas our church hasn't really focused on you know maintaining a congregation or Sunday worship we do those things but they're not the central focus of the church so when the first lockdown hit the the all of the minutes so we've got three paid ministers in the church but we're all bivocational we all just knew that we would just start the emergency hub and because we've got lots of volunteers through the community association already we could very quickly do that and what was new about that was we started to meet professional people within our community because we're usually we are kind of still a working class community we're very diverse ethnically so Newham is one of the most hyper diverse boroughs in the world no ethnicity is more than 15 percent so it's really really hyper diverse but it's always been very working class but we started to realize that we've got some very middle class neighbors because of gentrification in other parts of London housing is cheaper in Newham and we don't know these neighbours because they're normally working all week and they were all furloughed so we started to find connections with teachers and graphic designers and photographers professional musicians and these were our neighbours and we'd never met them so that was wonderful and they really wanted to get involved with the emergency hub and because we could do that quickly they became delivery drivers and packing and so we also have a lot of homeless people who have always been part of our team part of our church community so we had like our emergency hub was run by about 40 people and about half of them were original volunteers so uh, you know a, a significant number would have been themselves homeless but volunteering and some would have been people from different religions and some were these new neighbors and so and I just loved that I thought this is this is Bonnie Downs this is what we are this is what we do And so for us, it was like church on a good day and it was all week and there was this constant flow of people. And then they would say, you know, well, who are you three? And we'd be like, oh, we're the ministers of the church. And it was kind of like, what? You know, and and we could just see people's ideas about what church was. And they would say, well, you know, what do you usually do? And we said, well, we do this. You know, we've just gone up a gear, but this is what we do. So that was that was an interesting first lockdown. But it did mean our spiritual practices had to change. So we're very much into shared living. So what's happened now is that we do morning offices together online. So we're into, um, we're learning how to have like 
deeper contemplative times to really listen to God. I mean, I think that's the thing that I would say is if there's one missional stance or practice, you need to be able to hear the Holy Spirit. And that means you need to be quiet sometimes. And so we, we do this together online um, now. We used to do it in person in a sacred space room, but we can't meet. So we do it in online and we spend the first 20 minutes of the day just in silence and using a kind of Lectio Divina method of just one verse, which we, we listen to God through and we pray into and then we practice silence together. And um, so we do that every day as a community. But then on Sundays, we have a sermon that's preached online. But we're a little strange in that because you're not allowed to preach in our church unless you've had a community conversation about your sermon. And we used to say you had to have three. So I would prepare my sermon in the food bank with the homeless guests by just storytelling. And so I tell the story and say, like, help me out. I've got to preach. What do you think's happening? And what do you, you know, what what do you think I should say? What stories have you got that are like my story? And you'd get some really weird and random stories about, you know, a homeless guy saying, well, an angel gave me a pair of shoes. And and I think, wow. Like, and, you know, so I try not to neaten it up. I just tell my church, you know, because the story is about an angel. And I would say, like, yeah, in our community, an angel gave somebody a pair of shoes and, and just kind of <laughs> leave these beautiful, messy stories. So that's the usual way we cook our sermons. Now we have to go and we do that online. But then we also decided that rather than do like Zoom church or things, because quite a lot of us don't have computers, don't have Wi-Fi, older people don't like that technology. Our main way of actually being together on Sundays now is we do a walk. So one of the community facilities we brought back into use is this playing field. And we just open all the gates of the playing fields and we put up like prayer stations around the fields based on the examine, you know, so the Ignatius practice of examine. And you just basically walk from tree to tree to tree and stop and have a prompt about a way to examine, a way to try to be reassured that God is nurturing life. So we use trees and clouds and, and then we've got this food growing garden and we decided to set that area up as our communion space. So you come in, you do the walk and you come into the garden and there's like on a, on a bench, right in the middle of all the vegetable patches, there's the bread and the wine for you to take. And it's all on little, you know, little toothpicks so we don't touch it. And there's a volunteer, volunteers who do that, get all of that laid out. And sometimes we, when we used to be able to meet for prayer ministry, we'd often prayer ministry in the garden. So we started that last March and we're still outside with it. Yeah. <laughs> and now we can't even, yeah, we can't even meet yeah. in the garden yeah. anymore, but no. we can do the prayer walks. Do that. So yeah. the leaders wait at the gate and people come and we do a lap with people or some people do it on their own. And we just walk people around and pray with them and we lap around the fields. And I think I did nine laps was my most <laughs> laps. So my steps are really high. My step count is really high on my on Sundays. I do like 50,000 steps or something. <laughs> just it's, quite, it's quite a big field. I think we need to clarify, don't we? We're, it's we're a nine-acre field. Yeah, it's a nine-acre yeah. field. But it's it takes a small, yeah. small field, is it? Even for London, this is a large, this is a large plot of land. And uh, and I think for the purpose of the listeners as well, it's a uh, perhaps good to, to say we're this is in January 2021 that we're we're chatting so and we've just yeah. had thick frost and uh, and snow across the country a week ago so yeah so this is pretty hardcore to still keep <laughs> 
he'll keep going with this but but amazing to to hear though and another you know wonderful testimony of, of that adapting and listening yeah. to God and being prepared to to change and push yourselves outside of you know your comfort zones I think it sounds like it would be interesting to to hear like whether particularly like the, the walking church that outside kind of gathering might continue yeah. looking ahead well we do think we think we're going to do it every summer really just yeah. as our regular practice and because we've got this food growing garden it's really nice to so at the end of you know the we have the, the garden's been open for like two hours and then at the end because we haven't been able to have the project to harvest the food you know the people that run the garden who are employees of our charity said like if the church want to take food just let your people take the food home so at the end of church you know people are going around saying oh I can see a courgette and, <laughs> and we had this amazing mulberry tree which I didn't even know what a mulberry tree was but we're a very international fellowship and um, an Iranian member of the church said it's a don't you know what to do and I was like no I, I don't even know what that is so after church he just taught us that you have to put your coats out on the floor and somebody climbs up the tree and you shake the tree and all the mulberries like fall off and you just eat them and and I've never done that before but that's in Iran these trees are really common and that's what you do you harvest the mulberries so you know church became rather than having tea and coffee after church we'd kind of go around and pick all the food and, <laughs> and then just stay and eat and the kids went wild you know it was really lovely and we sort of thought why don't we do this every every summer this is so nice and you know it's lovely to be outside and it was safe you know in terms of Covid it was the safest way to meet so I think no matter what happens, we'll we'll yeah. use our community garden for worship during the summer because we've loved doing that. And people wander in who are not aware, you know, so we've still got the field with um, we use that's for cricket. So Essex County Cricket play there. It's the home of Newham Cricket Club. And these are mainly Muslim teams. My husband's actually he's the he's the president of the Newham Cricket Club because he loves sport and that's been the most amazing way for him to meet and befriend Muslim South Asian men usually and so they've started a walking football team as well to engage older men and so all these things happen on that field and then there's the church doing their what they must think weird thing you know <laughs> with bread and wine and laughing and and harvesting mulberries and and we have music so we started to realize we were going to be outside for ages so our musicians kind of plugged in to the trailer and we started to play music and stuff and so I think the, I think we found adapting easier because for about 20 years we've been adapting yeah. really yeah. so for us it wasn't such a big but as a minister I am still anxious about the people who've disconnected from the community I'm anxious about people's spiritual and mental health during COVID, I feel like there's not a lot of offer in terms of the centre used to be open seven days a week and people when they were struggling would come in. We've got a community cafe. I just used to sit in the community cafe and could just meet loads of people. And, and all of that, it's been almost a year, you know, really. So I'm a very much aware that, yeah, I'm anxious about my community's health after COVID spiritually and people have lost people that they've loved and we haven't been able to support bereavement in the same way so even though I think our community is very resilient in terms of not being churchy there's been a massive hit and Newham's had one of the highest levels of infection rates 
we were already the second poorest borough. And so we've had an enormous amount of families with no recourse to public funds who are precariously housed now. Many, many more people becoming street homeless. And, and you know, so there's the story of the church and then there's the story of the community. But for me, they're one story. And so, yeah, no, we're not... Yeah. We're not all singing and all dancing about how we've responded. We're just thinking, yeah. you know, please, God, be with our community because this has been really hard. Appreciate that that very much. And it's just a, amazing to hear all the different ways that you have been able to respond. And I think it sounds like we'll be be ready, you know, looking looking ahead as well yeah. for, for coming out of this time, which we look and hope forward, you know, hope yeah. forward to very much. And it, it sounds like you're you're there already in, in place mm. for supporting and, and being part already, you know, integrated into the community. I feel like we've we've just scratched the surface a little bit on, <laughs> on what on, on a, a bit of you know this this amazing mission and adventure with with Bonnie Downs. It's it's been so so encouraging uh, to hear, like I say, just a snapshot perhaps yeah. of this. So so thank you so so much for sharing all this. I I'm I'm aware as we perhaps draw draw things to to a close that you, you've mentioned before that that importance like with your your daily rhythm with the community of, of having that time in the morning to, yeah. to spend time listening together and other other things you've mentioned along the way of encouragement for kind of yeah um, your your spiritual life and yeah and also challenges to to mission and how you approach it is is there anything else perhaps to just in conclusion you'd you'd give as an encouragement or advice to other churches perhaps exploring similar things to yourselves yeah. or, or venturing I mean, it, the unknown it, it's all a journey so I think the the key points for us was as if, talking to leaders I would say leaders imagine that they have to make things happen and there's such a danger in that and um, because you end up with an agenda which may not be God's agenda and you end up with this feeling of overwhelming need that you cannot meet so in some way you've got to completely lose that and normally it's a humbling process of just realizing that what you're doing isn't really making any difference so I would say anything that you can do that builds up a sense that you are able to hear God's voice and that you will do things, even if they are, they seem, you know, the smallest things, but they, they seem like you're obeying what God's voice is. You should do them. I think the, se the second thing is you should find people around you who are equally committed to an adventurous, more radical expression of what it is to be a Christian, because that gives you a kind of an energy and an enthusiasm. So for us, we got in touch with Red Letter Christians and, and just found networks there that we hadn't felt within our usual kind of networks and denomination. We, we just felt like we would not really do in church in the way that was celebrated or expected. And yet when we found other people that were saying, oh yeah, we stopped doing that a long time ago. And you know, that was energy for us just to meet some people who were, who were living more radically. And that was great. And I think the, fi the final thing to say is you should expect it to be fun. You know, so a, se a central ethos for our community association is celebration. That's why Dave runs a walking football 
group because he loves he loves football you know I think it should be it shouldn't be a martyr syndrome of you know look how great I am living in this difficult community you know I, I just think if you feel like that about the community you're serving just leave you know don't stay there and feel like you're rescuing these poor people and you've got all the answers and your life is perfect and and you're there to kind of fix them and isn't it good of you to stay there I just think leave go and live somewhere that you feel comfortable if it comes to that you know but if I think that more of God's people would be drawn to the messier communities where life is more obviously lived um you know by by faith and not by resources where people are very honest about their struggle because I see that when Jesus spends time with people they're the people in the places that he's drawn to so I think if you're going to follow Jesus you're not going to end up in a comfortable Christianity but too many people are so something's gone wrong you know something's gone wrong but I don't think you should do it like as a martyr I don't think you should do it you know to try to prove how Christian you are by living among people who you feel sorry for for instance it should be that you love that life uh, and you love your community and you know I uh, genuinely I could not I would not choose to live anywhere else on earth I absolutely love this strange place and you know it hurts me it breaks my heart at times I cry and weep over it but I absolutely am in love with it and I just wish people could find that place where their passion and their love and their giftings serve the needs of their community you know that's the that's the sweet place amen Oh, thank you, Sally. Oh, that's that's awesome what, what you shared shared there at the end. I mean, thank you so much for for all you've shared. Like I said, we I feel like we we could keep on talking, and there is there's plenty more I could sit and uh, and listen to you all day. Time. <laughs> there's some some wonderful things that you've shared there. So so thank you so much, um, just for for sharing this and the encouragement you're very welcome challenge that that you've brought here we we do pray a blessing over you and your family and and Thank everyone you. connected at bonnie downs and uh, and we look forward to hearing more in the future as well so so thank you very much sally thank you thanks <laughs> at the end of each episode we want to point you in the direction of a resource that may be helpful in your mission and adventure so keep listening for even more inspiration Imagine for a moment. Imagine that God has plans for the universe and is inviting you to join in. But how could you join in when you're not sure how your faith relates to the reality of your life or when your life is crowded out with so many things already? Godsend is a life-centered 21st century way of following Jesus. First, find a friend or two. Together, you find simple ways to love the people around you in your neighbourhood, your workplace, or as you're doing something that you love to do. You make friends with people around you, share your faith, and a new Christian community emerges where you are. You've just been listening to content from the Godsend app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store by searching for FX Godsend. It takes you through the Fresh Expressions journey and helps you to understand that anyone can be involved in starting a new Christian community. My name is Simon Goddard, and recently I was joined by Mike Moyner, 
author of Being Church, Doing Life, Church in Life, and a church in every context. And we discussed what it means to be a distributed church. Looking at the content from the God Send app, we explored what it means to be distributed in ministry and mission. As Baptists, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. And at this time, as much as any other time, we need to be distributing ministry and mission to the members of our churches, helping them to pursue their passions, but engaging in the mission of God as they do so. Mike and I recorded five webinars, which you can access by going to bit.ly slash distributed church recordings. That's bit.ly slash distributed church recordings. Adventure podcasts have been made possible through funding provided by Baptists Together. The music is from the adventure, an original song written by Andy Flanagan and recorded by Matt Osgood. Editing of the podcast is by Emma Garner, and this has been a River Tree Limited production.